Welcome to the CEO of Destiny podcast, where you will find the tools to fulfill the purpose of your generation and wildly succeed in the marketplace. And now your host, Andre J. Benjamin. Take us back to a little bit about the work ethic and also what you were seeing in terms of, you know, assets, liabilities, all this type of thing. Well, I watched my parents work seven days a week, almost 24 hours a day. So most motels have an apartment built on. And I would remember, you know, my mom waking up at 3.30 in the morning and I'm like, mom, just put the clothes sign up. Like, just go to bed. And she's like, son, if I don't get up, that's $50 that we don't get back, right? In a motel, you're selling time. You're selling the opportunity of renting that room. Tomorrow, you don't, if you didn't rent one tonight, it doesn't mean you get to rent two tomorrow, right? It's gone. That window of time is gone. So if you don't get up and hustle for that 50 bucks, it's gone. And I watched them just work. Now, from 1978 till just a few years ago, they worked seven days a week, almost 24 hours a day. Wow. And, and I finally convinced them. was like, look, I'm going to build you a house. Let's get you out of this yeah. lifestyle. And, and, and I built them their very first home they've ever lived in. Wow. Right. Wow. They've been working their whole lives. My mom and dad quit high school uh, when they were young and just went to work in a factory. And, you know, that's the lifestyle of, look, we just got to work. And so growing up, where did they, not afraid where of hard did work. That, where did they get that work ethic from? No choice. They lived in England and it was just expensive and you just had to go to work. Yeah. And for me, the tribe, the tribe is in the Indian culture, the entire village raises the child. Right? I witnessed that. I watched how, look, we're all going to work together. We're going to pool our money together. We're going to reach a common cause and organizations are no different. Right. We all have a common cause as an organization. So what did they, what made them, because they worked super hard, but what made them even think to get a motel to buy that as a business? So in other words, I, I, found, I found this with a lot of people who come to the States. I mean, and I have friends from all around the world and I, I don't know, it just, it seems they have a different mentality than us who were born in America, you know, in the States. I mean, like they see entrepreneurship as, you know what I mean? I got Vietnamese neighbors. They business on i mean and even when they work they work full-time jobs they work for boeing but they also have a business you know i just look at that i got nigerians i got you know like different people people are they will it doesn't matter if they have a nine to five job they also see entrepreneurship as so for for your parents what was do you do you know what got them to even say instead of like oh i'm just gonna mop floors i'm gonna we're gonna put our money together and we're gonna get a business yeah the the reality is it's the language barrier Right. So yes. when they came here, so think about this, right? Most East Asians, right? Chinese, Japanese, Vietnamese, they can open a restaurant and not really have to have a lot of English skills, but be able to cook their craft, sell it to the public, cook and crap. Most Indian people are vegetarians. So that limits your ability of what you're going to cook. Yes. So the next best thing is a motel. If you, if you think about it, you need very little English skills. I'm going to take your money, give you a key. You're going to go spend the night tomorrow. I'm going to reset everything and then do it again. Wow. And then we can cash flow that pretty quickly. Right. And, you know, a lot of families raise money together. They'll say, Hey, I have some few bucks and you have a few bucks. Like my dad could raise $2 million in 24 hours. Wow. All on handshakes, 
on, on a notepad of like, all right, 10, 10 grand from you, 15 grand from you. And with a, you know, do you want interest? What's your interest? When do you want it paid back? And they, and they, they stay to their word. So those are things that I learned of, you're going to have to work really hard and log your hours. There's no easy way. If there was, everybody would be doing it. And then you're going to have to, you're going to have to make good on the promises you make. And you owe, if you owe money to people, you pay people. So the va- so that value and the power of your name and integrity is super huge culturally. They know, like you said, if it's handshakes, they're from the old school where you say something. If you don't do it, then you're trash, and people are going to remember that. Because we had the, also there's a a local hotel that it's a nice hotel. It's right on the water, and uh, one of my friends he works with a lot. A um, he has a uh, investment firm and he works with a lot of you know you know multimillionaires billionaires and whatnot and he was telling me how he was like man Andre I was so inspired he said it was only this amount of families that came together and they each put up five hundred thousand to buy this asset that is you know and I'm like what it's just it seems so reachable whereas you look at some and they say this is 17 million dollars and you think well how am I going to hit that but they didn't see it that way. They were families and they say, hey, each of us can put up a half a million. I don't care if we're leveraging equity out of the home, something we're going we're gonna to get this. And now they have this asset that's generational. So I think that's that's an interesting fact that you make. What did you see in terms of assets and liabilities when you were a child and you're watching them work in the motel and you're work, watching them work their behinds off? And, you know, are they exposing you to things like, you know, life insurance or, you know, stocks or, you know, you know. My parents, I mean, my, my parents literally ran the business by calling the bank and seeing how much money was in the account. Real talk. And I would, and I would say, well, what about the checks you've already written? Oh, well, I don't know about that. I'm like, well, wait, wait, wait you're going to probably overdraft. And yeah. they had no concept of no, like I call the bank and the bank said there's $4,000 so we can spend $4,000. And that's how they kind of ran their world. And it wasn't until much later when I realized, wait, you can't do it like that. What, do you, what, what is this? Right. And so assets for them were, we're going all in on this little property. And then one day that'll be our retirement. Wow. Okay. So now take us back to your teaching at at the college level. Um, I know you talked a little bit. We had a pre-conversation where you talked about the grueling nature of that. Can you talk about, can you, can you see any parallels between, you know, what was going on and what you saw with your parents and then kind of like where you were at once you dove full into, man, I'm going to teach these credit hours. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, I signed up to do 12 college credit hours, which is a full-time load for most professors. And I realized my students were not able to get a job because in technology, a semester is a forever. And then a a two-year, three-year degree. Oh my gosh. Like think of just the software you used three years ago right? How far (laughs) and how fast, like it's, you're just never on the bleeding edge. So you're never really employable. So I walked in one day to the regent's office and uh, regent's meeting. I put myself on the schedule. I didn't know how any of this worked. I just put myself down and I made a presentation and I said, look, here's the challenge. These kids aren't able to get a job because they're never reaching mastery. They're always learning what's new in the software and not how do I use the software to get the, uh, accomplish what my director or boss wants me to accomplish. So I would like to teach 42 credit hours next semester. And they looked at me like I was just crazy town. They were like, well, you know, tell me again now, what do you want to do? Oh, again? <laughs> I was like, 42 credit hours. And they're like, okay, 42. You know, we can't pay you for 42. We can pay you for 18. And I was like, well, better than 12. I'll take it. Absolutely. What that meant though, is my team and I, of the other two instructors, 
we had to teach Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. with a half hour lunch and no holidays. So no spring break, no, just nothing, no holidays. And by doing that, my kids can graduate in one semester. So they come to me with their general ed. They go through this essentially boot camp and they go and they are like job ready like you wouldn't believe. Absolutely. But it was I adopted my parents work ethic of or their style of look, you're just gonna have to work every day. Yeah. Right. So it became a seven day a week job because on Sundays I held pretty much office hours for them to come and get help and be there. And they'd call me in the middle of the night, you know, if their computers weren't working right. And so, so yeah, it was hard. It was a so hard little window. You're in the midst of doing that. And then you also are, are you starting a family at this time? And yeah. then how does that play into that for what you're going to do, what ideation you're having and kind of like the dreams you're having now after that? Talk about that. So I lived across the street from the college. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it, so it was great. Like no commute. Yeah. I loved it. I just walk across the street. The challenge was my students could also walk across the street. <laughs> not, and not, I just, not. <laughs> you know, it was okay. Like, you know, ring bell, ding dong. Hey, it's, I know it's 1030 at night, but can you help me? my pleasure, right? I'm right here. I have nothing going on. And then my wife got pregnant and she quickly reminded me, Hey, when this little guy comes along, you can't just have these kids be ringing the bell at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's a good point. And I realized I need to build some tools to help these kids. And so at night I would record these videos of the day's lectures in my, in my house and then give them to the kids. That way they wouldn't have to come over. If they miss something, they quit coming over. And I, and I really, I did this for a year when I realized, wait a minute, one of my kids said, you should put this on the internet. I was so like, you, yeah, maybe I should put it on the internet. So you realize you said, you know, how can I, how can I deliver the same value to them? But, you know, the value of them being able to record, I mean, replay it over and over again, almost like with Khan Academy, how they that's right trying to teach some relatives and solve some problems for them. And he didn't realize that they were going to watch it over and over and over again. And they actually start liking the videos more than That's him. Right. So, right. you, so you're, as you're doing this, um, what, what comes next? Like what comes next for you to say, all right, this is actually freeing up some time for me. My wife is not mad at me because they're not banging on the door anymore that, you know, the, it's the kids be able to sleep through the night for the semblance of the little five hours we get when they go to sleep. That's you know, right. And I, how can I scale up from here? What's going on in your head? Oh man, let me tell you, it, all it took was for one kid to give me the inspiration to go, you should put this on the internet. And I was like, who wants this stuff, man? Nobody wants this stuff. You should put on the internet. So I did built a little baby website, put it up, turn it on Halloween morning at like nine 30 in the morning. And by 5 PM, I had an, an email from a kid in Israel that said, Hey man, we've watched all this content but our internet's terrible. What if I send you, you know, $45, can you burn it on some discs? And I was like, done. And that's going to be our pricing strategy, $45. Right. And, um, he said, you know, he it. did. And within a week, I mean, we were cash flow, we we're making some money and, oh. and I didn't really go full time. I think this is what a lot of entrepreneurs face too is, Hey, I need to raise money so I can go work this full time. Right. Yeah. I didn't do it that way. I kept my full-time job while I worked this thing pretty much full-time. So I would teach Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., be home by 7.30, eat a little dinner, work on this project till two in the morning, go to bed and get up and do it again. And I did that seven days a week for almost a year. 
until, I mean, I was middle of the night dropping off packages to FedEx and my wife and I were burning CDs and packing discs, like just the old school hustle of, you know, I can't leave this professorship. I'm about to get tenure. I can't leave that without moving forward with something else. And I remember calling my dad, I got tenured in April. I quit that May. And my dad's like, you are out of your mind. Like you have this amazing government job. You've got a pension, you've like retirement, like your whole life is planned now. And I said, but dad, we made $5,000 this month. He's like, well, you should have quit that job a long time ago. (laughs) He said, I didn't know you made the 5,000. What are you doing? That's hilarious. But it's realistic that you said you were trying to go incrementally. Whereas a lot of people have a lot of zeal without knowledge. They get pumped. And they see a little, let's say they see 50 bucks come and they say, oh my gosh, this is the moment. And then they're like, okay, but they, they're not building any infrastructure. They're not seeing how it's going to be sustainable. They're not replacing that. They're not replacing that, which they were making to step into it. They don't have a game plan beyond that. At what, so that, that drove you through the obstacles of getting, what, what did you see? In, in terms of other people and what they were doing and the mistakes they had made in jumping too soon, jumping ship too soon. Because a lot of people, I hate my nine to five. I, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. What would you say to that person who hates the nine to five? And they feel like this idea that you said that you're working until 2 a.m. in the morning on, they're saying, man, this is what I really want to do full time, but it's not paying any bills right now. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do us a favor. If this was useful in any way for you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Reviews will allow others to easily discover the podcast. If you'd like more information and to receive a free download, rediscover your destiny, go to ceoofdestiny.com. Thanks again and tune in next time.